I invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. As in this time, um, we've concluded Advent as we celebrated Christmas. We've gotten into the new year. And now, until the season of Lent begins, the season that leads us to Easter, in the meantime, we will be following the lectionary through the New Testament readings, which puts us this Sunday in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. If you're looking for 1 Corinthians in your Bible, it's after the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, and then Romans, and then 1 and 2 Corinthians. If you find yourself in Galatians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, or Colossians, you've gone just a hair too far. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Before we come to God's word, let's pray together. God, we come to you aware that your Holy Spirit is at work and moves among us. In our daily lives, you are with us and you speak to us if we but listen. Through your word, you illumine your manifestness to us. That as we hear these words, as we study them, that it is you who speaks to us through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that as we celebrate ordinations and installations, that we recognize once again the working of your Spirit, that as your church we may be led well and serve in the likeness that you have called us to be. Send your Holy Spirit upon us, we pray, that our minds, our hearts, our very souls may be ready to hear your word and to follow your call. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 9. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I have a question for you, and I'm going to go out on a limb and hope that you give me responses as well. But the question is simple. I'm looking for multiple right answers, not one particular one. But what goes into learning a new language? When you're learning a new language, what do you have to do? How do you learn a new language? Anyone? Practice. You need to practice it. With, with who? What's that? Fluent people. Fluent people. You need to be around those who already speak the language to learn from them. How else do we learn a language? Even in school. By memorizing. 
We learn by memorization. What else? Reading books in that language. We need, we need books. We need texts to familiarize ourselves with the language that we're trying to learn. Spanish on tape. Some, some kind of program to bring us through, right? Have you ever had a teacher teach you a language? Yes. Oh, that's right. Oh. Oh, okay, good. Affirming. We, we need a teacher. We need, we need books. We need teachers. We need other people who already know and speak the language to lead us in it. We need all of these things. And then, as we learn it, we need practice. We need both peers who we can practice with and learn alongside of, and we need those who already speak well and fluently to be a part of our learning as well. Language is a way of speaking or of explaining concepts. Remember that not all languages are spoken, but the same is true. We need books and teachers and peer learners, and sometimes, if you're like me and learning a new language, you need a tutor because you need just a little bit of help in learning a new language. But whatever our language might be, whether it's English or Spanish or American Sign Language, In all of these, it is our way of describing the world. When we have a way of seeing the world, we need concepts, we need language to be able to describe that world to other people, to put reality into words, to communicate our worldview, to explain what it is that we believe. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, there are some words here that are so familiar to some of us that, that we might pass right over them. For instance, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We use that or some variation of it from other letters in the New Testament almost every single week in the liturgy. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours in abundance through God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Often we add in a note of reference to the Holy Spirit. These words are familiar. They're, They're part of the language of our worship, part of the language of liturgy by which we describe God greeting us into his presence. Perhaps those words are newer to you in which case there's something that you're finding out. What's the depth of meaning behind saying such things? Or maybe they're so familiar that we forget that it is the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter to the church at Corinth. Paul, along with Sosthenes, says verse 1. And that the very fact that this letter was written and some of what is said in these first nine verses reveals that the Apostle Paul had to learn a new language. Learned a new language. Now, Paul already knew Hebrew, and he knew how to write in in Greek the way this letter was first written. But a new language, a new way of describing the world, had to be revealed to Paul by Jesus Christ so that this letter could be written. For instance, remember that Paul was a Jew, He persecuted the church of Christ. He was not a Christian. He was a very far away person from that. And yet in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes, Grace and peace to you from God our Father 
and the Lord Jesus Christ. No Jew would recognize Jesus Christ as Lord except if they had accepted this whole new understanding of the world that Jesus Christ was Lord. The amount of times that Jesus and Christ and Lord are repeated in just these first nine verses is astounding. And it's evidence that Paul has learned a new language, a new way of speaking, a new way of describing the world. Languages can't really be faked that easily. You can try. Sometimes in maybe our classes in school when we had to learn languages, we would mumble along a little bit to try to pretend that we knew it. I know when I took Hebrew at seminary, uh, sometimes I'd try to get a really sympathetic lab tutor, so if I got stuck in my memory work, I would just say some random harsh-sounding syllable like, and they would think I was trying, so they'd give me the next word, and that was all I really needed. Languages are hard to fake. It's hard to fake a language convincingly. And if you try, you will get stuck very quickly. If you speak with someone who is fluent in a language and you don't actually know it, very, very quickly you will be discovered, sometimes even to the detriment of your grade point average. Paul has learned a new way of speaking. And his teacher, just as we all need teachers of language, his teacher was Christ, who has called him as an apostle by the will of God. His book is scripture, but also at this time the testimony of those around him. His peer learners for learning this new language that describes Jesus Christ as Lord are those who walked alongside of Jesus, those who have accepted this testimony to be true. And the church in Jerusalem and Antioch, and as it spreads, the church is the tutor of all young Christians as they learn to understand the world as under Christ's lordship, with Christ as the Messiah. This is a drastic shift in how the Apostle Paul would have viewed the world. Learning a new language makes us think. It makes us Uh, use our brains differently to describe something differently than how we're used to. And this is also true of our faith. It gives us a different world view, a different way of seeing the world and the way in which it is intended to be. And we need to learn this language of faith to be able to speak it, to be able to share what it is that we believe to explain it with those around us. Now, this starts, though, with a great assurance that Paul, as is everyone that he's talking to, have been called by Christ, by the will of God. Consider that you could put your own name in there if Christ has called you to be a disciple. By the will of God, Jesus calls us to follow him. This is a reality that's put into words. And it is not the identity of who we are or who we are related to, or what our occupation is. It is the identity of the call of God upon all of our lives that shapes first and foremost who we are. This is the language of our identity, our disciples of Christ, brothers and sisters, because we are sons and daughters of God, as called by Christ. And with that in mind, we are called as the church to be Christ's disciples, people who speak this language of faith, 
Not that we fake it, not that we pretend, and that this doesn't mean that we have all the exhaustive knowledge in the world. But it does mean that there is a certain language that we know. This is set apart from kind of the Christianese, just having phrases that make sense to people in the church that we use as buzzwords. This is knowing the language of our faith. As we shared earlier in the words of the Apostles' Creed, starting with those words, I believe, that is our shared language together. It is the words that we believe. It is the foundational belief and doctrine of a Christian. In verse 2, there's evidence of Paul once again having a different worldview of learning a new language to describe the world. Because there's a movement in verse 2 from the particular to the universal. From one particular group to the universal, to the whole world. Because verse 2 begins with the church of God in Corinth. That is particular. That is as particular as the church of God at North Holland. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus and, to called, and called to be his holy people. That's all of us who make up the church. That includes our members who are not here today, either by distance or by health. And then together with all of those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All of those everywhere. Now, to think about how this is radical to the Apostle Paul is to remember that for the Jewish people, they found, they found themselves to be very self-sufficient in their salvation because they were God's chosen people. It was a movement from the universal to the particular. That in the Old Testament, of all the nations, of all the peoples, of everyone on earth, God of the universal scope called one particular people. And they were blessed to be a blessing. It was a movement from the universal to the particular. It was calling. And we share that same calling that of all the people in the world, Christ has called you particularly to be his disciple. It's not private, but it is personal. But there's also a movement from the particular to the universal. That we are not the only ones who are saved by grace through faith. That we share this identity with all those everywhere who have been sanctified by Christ Jesus that we share that identity and that language, that way of describing the world, what we believe, with all those who have been called as Christ's disciples. This is the essence of mission within the church, is that we as a particular people have been called to share this good news universally. And sometimes that can be just a little bit intimidating to think about. I mean, do we have the words to articulate our faith? Do we know how to answer good questions? Well, maybe we don't have to have all of the answers, but we do have the basics. And we grow in our understanding by learning to speak this language of faith with those around us, with teachers, with peer learners, with tutors within the church and by studying the book of this language of faith, which is the Bible, which is our scriptures, where we learn to speak of the world as God speaks of the world. In verses 4 through 9, Paul does a lot of praising of the Corinthian church, starting with, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus, once again, recognizing Christ as the Messiah. But if you're familiar with this book of the Bible you know that there are some very harsh words coming up 
there are mistakes that have been made in the church in Corinth. People have not always treated each other well. Things in the church have not always been done correctly. And Paul has this nice, long letter sorting some of that out, explaining the ways in which they have learned in error and then perpetuated those errors. But here, at the beginning, before all of that, before the correction, before the pointing out of mistake and error, Paul gives thanks because the church in Corinth has been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. And this knowledge, verse 6, is God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Later on, Paul will spend a lot of time addressing issues of spiritual gifts and confusion and abuse and superiority that happened within the church. But in verse 7, He simply reminds them, therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. We all have growth in our faith, growth in learning to explain and articulate what it is that we believe, growth in speaking this language of faith. But to be reminded that you do not lack any spiritual gift, that if God has called you, You have been given all that you need. And it's been given to you because God loves you. Learning to speak a new language requires a good teacher. And maybe the best way to describe where we'll go later on throughout this letter, in the church at Corinth, people were learning from peers who maybe didn't always have everything quite figured out. And, as many of us have experienced, When you're learning alongside of someone and, well, neither of you are really sure, but someone says, I think it's this way, you've got no way to figure out if that's not true. And so you go that way. And the church in Corinth probably experienced some of those errors of of peers learning from peers without recognition of their teacher, who is Christ and Christ alone. And Paul, as a tutor, as one with authority, comes in and also corrects some of their errors in this language of faith. Errors like believing that some are more important than others. Errors in believing that some are more spiritually superior to others. These are the errors that are sorted out throughout the letter. But the foundation, the beginning, is to remember that at our core, we have been given all that we need, that we do not lack anything. If there's ever assurance, then, that we don't need to covet someone else's gifts. It is in remembering that we have been given every gift that we need. Gifts of music, as we see lots of musical talent here. And maybe we're jealous. We wish that we had a little bit of what they have. But to remember that you do not lack anything. You have the gifts that you need. Whether we are an elder or a deacon or a minister or, or none of those things. Each one of us has what we have been given by Christ, and therefore we do not lack any good thing. How do we grow, though? Not lacking doesn't mean there's no room for growth. Just as learning a language takes time, it takes practice, it takes surrounding ourselves with people who speak it or, or sign it well so that we learn correctly. I think of the adult discipleship team. They last week handed out the spiritual temperature check, a way that we want to check in. How are we doing 
are we growing in our understanding of the language of faith? Are we growing in our faith and in our ability to, to dwell with other believers and to share the good news of the gospel with the world? So I want to strongly encourage on behalf of the adult discipleship team to fill those out and let us know because we want to check the temperature on that and we want to make sure that as a church, we continue to grow. We continue to grow in our discipleship and that we find the right ways to do that. Our textbook for the language of faith is the scriptures. Our teacher is Christ and Christ alone who has called us to be his disciples And our peer learners, our fellow Christians, both those who speak this language of faith well and those whom we have something to offer to, and that is each one of us learning from one another as we continue to practice this language of faith. The church is our tutor as we gather together so that we make sure that we learn together and that we learn well and correctly. Learning a new language takes that kind of practice. And so I simply ask a wondering question for all of us today. Who are you learning with? And how are you pursuing uh, learning and growth at all? What are the ways in which we increase our language of faith? Does it permeate everywhere else in our lives? Is it at home? Is it at church? Are there people whom you speak with in such a way that you help see God in your daily life, who point out the ways in which God is at work, who encourage us in prayer, who gather around us, that all of us as disciples may continue to learn well? We have our book. We have our teacher. We have our learning, our peer learners. And we have our tutor, the church. North Holland, let us learn the language of our faith well. Whether that's so simple as the words of the Apostles' Creed, where it's all right there, growing in understanding and learning that, but let's do this together and with great intentionality. Speak the language of your faith. Make it your own. Make it comfortable in the sense that it fits you, that we're not faking a language that we don't know, but that it is authentic and sincere to the deepest core convictions that we hold. We, like the Apostle Paul, like the church in Corinth, get to learn this language of faith. And there is always more to learn, even as we are reminded that we lack nothing. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. God, you have given us our minds and our mouths and our hands with which we speak, with which we communicate. May we always be growing in the language of faith that you have given us, that our testimony may be sincere, that our faith in you may be growing as we question, as we wonder, as we wrestle, and as we celebrate the growth that is from you. Lord, bless us in our endeavor to learn the language of faith, that we may be your disciples, fluent in sharing the testimony of who you are and what you have done in our lives. And surround us, we pray, with those who will help us learn as we go. And give us a spirit of intentionality that we may seek those who we will learn alongside of, learn with, and learn from. 
Lord, we thank you for your good gifts. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.